0: Hey, 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 chicas, welcome to The Lavelda Show, Women of Power podcast, the show where women share their personal power tools, the techniques, strategies, and ways of being which have enabled their success in life and business. I'm your host, Lavelda Vincenzi, an international emcee and host, and female speaking business coach on a mission to unleash authentic, powerful female voices onto the world. Now, this is a girl chat show like no other, as I ask all of my guests to get real, raw, and authentic whilst sharing pure gold nuggets of wisdom. And this episode, it's not gonna disappoint. We'll be uncovering the power tools of Jessica Killingly. Jessica is a book coach, podcaster, and literary agent with over two decades of experience in the UK publishing industry. She has worked with hundreds of authors and created countless bestsellers from household names like John Grisham and Stephen King to debut authors across every genre. She now helps coaches, consultants, mentors, and trainers 10x their impact by writing and publishing a game-changing book that positions them as thought leaders and the go-to expert in their niche. She is an exceptionally sweary introvert. So, you know, you might want to take your kids to one side or grab headphones for this one. So if you've ever considered publishing a book, this episode, this one right here, this one is for you because Jessica does not hold back in terms of sharing the world of publishing, What works, what doesn't work, what's marketable. And yep, all of that we are going to be covering in this episode. Now, remember, if you are ready to get more from sharing your expertise, please use the link in the show notes to download your free copy of my speaker marketing blueprint, which is your guide to building the speaking marketing assets, which reflect your expertise and increase your speaker fee, regardless of if you are brand new to speaking or ready to level up your career. Now, you'll also find links to all of my latest offers in the show notes. And at the time of releasing, the doors are literally just open for my signature Find Speaking Gigs Accelerator. So if your problem has been finding and attracting perfect for you speaking gigs, which will actually pay you, You've got to click that link to find out more about The Accelerator. And finally, all of the links shared by my guests are always in the show notes. And if you want to get your regular fix of the show, well, you kind of have to hit the subscribe button or do that lazy thing and hit the subscribe button in order to get notifications like directly into your inbox because who got time for searching around for things week after week? Uh, I think that's it. Yep, that's pretty much it. That is more than enough for me for now. So you know what's going to happen right now. We're going to jump in and get on with the show. Hey, 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 chicas, welcome back. It's the Lavelda Show, Women of Power podcast, and we are fully in the swing of things. So this one is for any of y'all out there who have thought about publishing a book, but not like any book, like the book. Like you have that idea in the back of your head and you're like, I need to, this isn't about telling a story. This is about publishing that ultimate, here's all of my expertise, bam, in your Facebook this one's for you. So I went and found a special guest, especially for y'all. So you want to listen all the way to the end. But I do warn you, we might be a little bit potty-mouthed on this particular episode. I'm saying that up front for those of y'all who have little children and perhaps you don't want them hearing the sorts of words that may may be dropping out of our mouths. I can't say. I don't know yet. We're only just getting warmed up. But my guest today is like phenomenal in the space of book publishing, particularly working with women, because she only work with women, to get that book out that really defines your expertise for business. So I couldn't do this show and not bring her on board, that would have just been like stupid really you know i can't have good good people and just not share it with y'all don't y'all say i don't share stuff because i'd be sharing so please welcome my guest today jessica killing g hello i said Legando. that wrong it's killingly it's
1: killingly it's fine
0: think of it's killingly the, softly it's the g it's that extra g that just has you want to pronounce it but it shouldn't be pronounced them you, silent g's but I you remember. can just call me j kill <laughs> Do you know what? You are a lady who doesn't take yourself overly seriously, which I love.
1: Oh, yeah, that's probably true. I take some stuff seriously. I think if anyone uh, who was listening to that introduction had an inkling that when you said books and swearing, they were going to know it was going to be me you were going to be talking to. It's probably the thing. I don't think I've got a testimonial that doesn't mention how much I swear. Um, But thank you very much for that introduction. I was going to repay it by saying I couldn't be talking to my crew about why writing a book is so powerful for your business without having had you in to talk to my crew about how to use it to get speaking on
0: stage. Like this this, this love thing goes both ways. I mean, it's a, it's a two-way space um, because often people, what's interesting, and I know it's a conversation we've had before is that, you know, do I need a book to get on stage or do, you know, is it going to work? And I think my perspective, and I know we share a very similar kind of perspective on it is you do and you don't. Um, if you've got a great book that positions your expertise, it helps. But if you're just writing a book for the sake of writing a book, it makes sweet no difference Mm -hmm. at all to your ability to get on a stage. I'm just going to tell you, it's not essential, folks, for you to have a book to be on stage. Um, So Jessica, how on earth did you get into the space of Publishing was it? Was it like a childhood dream, or did you stumble into it?
1: Well, funnily enough, actually, my child, when I was really little, I wanted to be a librarian because you did not. I did because I really liked the whole back in the day. It was all the ink stamp thing, and it was just a really. I wanted to stamp the books, and you know, as a child, all of my books were alphabetized, um, and I spent. Uh, you know, I was one of those kids that was always it was reading. So weirdly, I did actually want to be a librarian and then uh, then but then actually fell into publishing completely by accident um i was working on waterstones because i got like i got offers for a job you know i went down the high street when i was a student and i got an offer for a job in next marks and spencers and waterstones oh
0: you were yeah. a woman in demand even back then well, i was like i was i I, it's, I think it was
1: that work ethic of just like i i always need to i've always got a job so you know i could be massive in women's underwear right now if I'd stayed with Marks and Spencers but I went I went with with Waterstones they the where I lived at the time their branch had just opened and it was just really tidy and quiet and clean and lovely and beautiful books so I was like okay this is for me and from there that's how I then ended up working in publishing um so that was uh, 25 years ago so I I know I'm I'm uh, who can believe that I'm this old but um yeah so I when I moved into publishing in the late 90s, uh, I had a bit of a reminder of this because I actually f- uh, found a, s- a photo surfaced on the weekend of me with two of the Spice Girls from a spa- from a sales conference, which was hilarious. Back in the day when publishing was just about, um, you know, going to conferences and-, and drinking heavily and hanging out with pop stars, which is not really like that anymore. But luck so you were there in the heyday, really. Anywhere. It was, it was pretty good but yeah so I started working in uh, I actually started in publicity and then the vast majority of my career was in was in marketing and so I went all the way from like literally bottom of the rung, rat, rung of the ladder by the time I left in 2016 I was a board level marketing director running a big team uh, big budgets all of that um, and it was oh, yes, you did I, yeah and, and it was that thing of like I didn't I could either put my foot down and really go for it and like into senior management, or I could do something completely different. And I didn't realize that what I was actually going to do was come away only to do more of the same. (laughs) I didn't know that at the time. I thought like, oh, I'm done with publishing. I'm knackered 20 years in books. I've had enough of books. But the thing that I always say is like, cut me and I bleed ink. So I I didn't stay away for long.
0: It's beautiful because I think sometimes we 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 can be overly creative with what we come up with to do as our mission. And it's beautiful that it's come back to have always just loved books. <laughs> just love I, mean, them. I, just
1: I just don't know. I don't know what else to do. <laughs> it's the, it's the only thing. When I first, when I started, kind of like, I had no idea I was going to become an entrepreneur. Like, that was just something that other people did. Um, and because I worked in marketing, I thought it was gonna be something to do with marketing, but I just then realized like, this is literally the only thing I know how to do. And it's taken me the last few years to actually own, not just, it's the only thing I know how to do, but I know how to do it bloody well. Yeah. And to be, a, you know, t- talking about power, and t- stepping into that power of myself, of just like going, oh, actually I am allowed to say that I'm good at this. You know, when I first started and I was, you know, I had my first coach, she said to me, oh my gosh, you should help people write books. And I was like, no, 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 no oh, I, no. I, I don't, don't want to do that. Transpired that the reason, the main reason I didn't want to do that was because I didn't think I was qualified to do that. Because apparently in my mind, 20 years experience-
0: Was not enough. Was not enough. And it's not even like 20 years experience working in Waterstones, stacking the shelves. No, you worked your way all the way up. L- literally 20
1: years of helping people write and sell books, <laughs> working <laughs> with like household names, you know, that everyone, I've always say, like, if you look on your shelf, there'll be a book on there that I've had a hand in. Um, or, you know, one of my team worked on or something like that. So yeah, but, but at the time I was like, no, that's, that's not, <laughs> who am I? Who am I to do that?
0: Which wow, which is very valuable.
1: Yeah, it was a very valuable experience for me because obviously now, the thing that I come up with, come up against when I talk to people is they're like, "Who am I to write a book?" Mm-hmm. So I can help people through that from a real, very real place of understanding what it feels like to kind of know your stuff, but to have that imposter syndrome. So well,
0: yeah. Uh, what- girl I wouldn't say it was kind of know your stuff to actually know your stuff and not own it like everybody else I'm pretty certain around you must have been like what do you mean you don't think you're qualified (laughs) like those would be the last words I would expect to come out of your mouth you of all people don't think you're qualified to do this like what what more do you need what other accolades do you need in order to to have that stamp of approval
1: it's funny because you know that that obviously was the case everyone around me was just like are you, are you crazy and it but i think that's the thing about imposter syndrome that it it you know it's pernicious in that way that we can't see it for ourselves and i feel very fortunate because actually the thing that sort of slightly broke me through it was then just seeing it being done badly people publishing books and fucking it up And I was just like, hang on a minute, like
0: not on my watch,
1: like hold my beer. I need to get involved here because somebody holds my
0: drink because this is not how it's done
1: exactly you know I might like I might not be an expert but apparently if this is what people think
0: that they should be doing this is what the experts are saying apparently I've got I I need to step in
1: exactly so that was so actually my own um sort of stubbornness and just like oh for fuck's sake come on let's just right let me get on with it but I think that's it's it's,
0: it's such a beautiful reminder because it's it's often the things that we, we're so naturally talented at that are just so easy for us to do that we can forget other people who have worked really hard for it in some ways. And I'm not saying that you didn't work hard, but in order to fly up a corporate ladder, you have to have some natural inbuilt built talent that, you know, and especially if you've flown up it and then finished going, I don't know what I'm doing. It, says, it suggests, well, not that I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm not qualified for this. It suggests to me that there's just an innate natural ability. And when that's there, we can often just skim over it. Like surely everybody knows this. That, that is
1: so on the money. And, and actually funny enough talking about money, that I think is the really interesting sort of part of the entrepreneurial journey, because it doesn't occur to you that somebody would pay you for that knowledge because it's, because it's so easy, Um, it's so obvious to you. And like, so you kind of think, well, how on earth am I gonna make money about that? And also it's that thing of, we slightly have that, you know, that kind of hustle mentality that it's gotta be hard or it's not worth it. So the idea where I'm at now, which is people pay me for stuff that, you know, I joke about the fact that I can fix anyone's book and I can do it with one hand behind my back possibly while slightly drunk. like And, and somebody will pay, will pay me for that where it's something that feels so easy to me. Yeah. Um, that that can be really hard. That can be a real block when I think you're starting to build your business. The idea that you you can give yourself permission that, oh, it can be successful and it doesn't have to be incredibly difficult.
0: Do you know what? I, my view is if it feels really hard, you're doing it wrong. Like it's not supposed to feel hard. It's supposed to feel like, you know, my favorite clients are the one I jump on a call with and I share what to me is the most obvious bitch basic stuff (laughs) for me, right? right? For me, it feels really obvious and really like I am teaching somebody how to suck eggs. Um, But for them, it is so transformational because it's the first time it's been put to them in that way that something starts to click and something drops into place and it's, it's almost better because it's stuff I love doing and it's I want to learn more about it I want to dive deeper into it but if it was something that was hard for me to do like every day I get up and it's like I've got to learn about this thing and I've got to figure it out and I've got to be a step ahead of my clients versus I'm always naturally a step ahead of my clients because I my brain just figures this stuff out super quick, and i don't my job is to figure out how I worked it out like i've I've got the opposite job of my job is to almost reverse engineer how I did it because I don't know it's just it just it's just how I work, and to me it's really obvious now i've got to reverse engineer it and then explain why each of those steps works, and that to me is fun
1: yes, and it's interesting for me because i I'm helping people, but from a, not from a, you know, people say to me, oh, you know, you're going to write a book. And, you know, I always say, well, if I wrote a book, then I'd have to talk about my book. And I'd much rather talk about your book. So I'm helping people in a slightly different way, because I'm not doing the thing that they're doing. But the benefit of that is that it gives me that 30,000 foot view. Mm -hmm. And so what I am able to do is, help somebody see what, what their easy point is. Like if I talk them through what that you know, one of the things I talk about is like, I want to help, you know, I predominantly work with coaches. So I want to help you get the magic of a coaching conversation out from your, you know, onto the page. Yeah. And it's, they're struggling with it. And so when I can help them reframe that and when I can help them go, this is what your zone of genius is. And they, so they click into that for them. Oh, this is so easy. That's, that, you know, that's the beautiful part for me is like I can make them go, oh, okay, and that this is easy. And that's when they can then go and really amplify what they're doing and you know, get on stages, get their book in front of more people, help more, make, make a bigger impact. And so I get to be able to do that just from sort of seeing the kind of, you know, the chess pieces of their book and moving that around. And that's really fun for me. Like, yeah, it definitely doesn't feel like
0: work. It doesn't feel like work at all. What's interesting is as you're speaking, I'm thinking, and the beauty is surely you must also be able to help people see what that book can actually do for them beyond the writing of the book because of your experience, right? So it doesn't just become a book project of here's a book and I need to get it done, but they're able to write the book from the context of where is this going what is it going to do what's the potential and i imagine that could be so um uplifting to watch somebody's somebody go from i'm thinking it's just this book that does x y and z to going holy crap (laughs) like there are all of these other avenues that like it's almost like going from black like only being able to see black and white to being able to see full color
1: Definitely. And that, and that really is actually the core, the start of that. This is certainly the starting point, but the core of what I do, I don't really work with people who just want to write a book. Like it's about writing a book that is going to explode your business and the impact that it can make. Um, And, you know, so for people who just sort of say, Oh, I just want to tell my autobiography, like
0: nobody cares. Sorry. You're kind of like, that doesn't juice you up. You're going, no, "Mm -hmm."
1: and, and partly because also those are very difficult to sell. Because who the hell cares about your story? People care about themselves. And so it's about, you know, I like to help people make a story about you be a story about me. Mm -hmm. But then it's about how is that reader going to become your client? And how is this book going to be at the center of your
0: business strategy like it's not just a nice thing to have it's not this it is, extra bolt on thing that you just added to exactly
1: the... it is the thing at the middle that's going to get you the profile raising activity it's going to get you on the podcast and the stages it's going to get you lead gen and new clients it's going to get you it's going to help you work out your methodology and your ip and all those sorts of things i mean i've got a client whose book before she'd even before it was even out before it's even out to be read the fact that she'd written it was the thing that got her her TED Talk because she was able to use, when she was applying for it, she had done all the work and she knew what her message was and she knew how to kind of, you know, she could condense a 60,000-word book into a 15-minute talk because of the work that she'd done. And that and so it's the ripple effect of that. So for me, it's never just about the book. It's always
0: business first. To me, this is so powerful because... My mission is empowering authentic female voices and what dropped in for me over the last couple of weeks was that that authenticity piece really does come from knowing yourself and as you're speaking I'm like what a powerful gift to give yourself to go through this journey, such that you know what you're about from a business perspective, like I know what I'm about. I know what I deliver. I know who my clients are. I know the impact that I'm able to have in the world. I just think so many business owners kind of float around about it, where they have a sense of it, but not like, boom, this is my thing. This is my strategy. This is my methodology. This is who I'm about. This is what I do. And so I love this idea of a book taking somebody on a journey Because, I mean, there's a lot of a process through it, not not a spiritual kind of healing journey, but like a journey to to self to have a huge amount of confidence about what it is that you do, how you do it and who you do it for. You've absolutely once again hit the nail on the head because that that is
1: um, people often come to me saying, I want to write a book about X. Um, And I'm like, no, you don't. (laughs) You know, I really, really do, I really do. And then we sit down and we tease it out of like, well, what do you want your business to look like in three years time? The question I always ask people is like, what do you want to be known for? Uh, uh, My example of this is I've got a client, she's a herbalist and she has a physical practice And a lot of the people that she treats in the physical practice come to her for help supporting them through menopause. Mm -hmm. So she first came to me and she was like, oh, you know, I want to, I'm going to write a book about going through the menopause. I was like, great, okay. Do you want to be known as the menopause lady? And she said, no, I don't. (laughs) Well, don't fucking write a book about it then because that's all you're going to be talking about for the next three years. And so actually, and I don't, like I don't often talk about this because it's not a great selling point, but quite often people will start a book and they'll get a few chapters into it with me and then they're like oh shit you were right this isn't like i'm right this is not my book this isn't my book and they have to start another book um and you know (laughs) they probably hate me for a bit but what it makes what it then does is it shines a light on how they want to work who they want to work with what is the impact they want to make um because i also think that we we particularly in the early stages we put up with a lot of crap like you were saying you want to wake up in the morning and love what you're doing and it should yeah. feel easy the reality is is that lots of people who start their business you know service-based businesses there's so many shoulds about how they think they should be running it mm-hmm. how it should be treating their client you know should be performing for their clients we strip all of that out and we just like what is the stuff that actually lights you up because you have permission to build a business like that. You have permission to write a book like that. You don't, you know, get rid of the crap. Just do the bits that you love. And you can, you know, and, and actually the, the more you step into that, the more successful you will be because you own that authenticity. And it just, you know, you can't, you can't help, but then become magnetic.
0: Love it. Love it, love it, love it, love it, love it. I need a thing. Like I need a mic to drop or something. It was so good. And I keep saying this. I'm like, I'm next season, I'm having a thing. I'm gonna buy a foam microphone or something so I can just drop it. I mean, it's gonna be terrible for audio, but you know, I feel like I need something because what you just said is what I watch so many people do for so long. And a lot of my Messaging around that authenticity piece as well is you have permission to do it the way that works for you, my darling. And just because such and such is doing it, should you do it the same way? I don't know. Do you want to? Because if yeah. you don't, don't do it. <laughs> stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Jessica, I could talk to you for hours about this. Like honestly, we could literally just have like a freaking series just on writing a book and authentic writing. And I mean, there's so many layers to this, but I'm, I I'm here for that. <laughs> girl, don't even get me started because I could just we we could just be here. It could be the Lobaldo and Jessica show. I mean, that 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 could be a thing. Um, I'm curious, especially given the number of women that you've worked with from so many different perspectives with so many different types of books. And the journey you take them on which you've described so beautifully um, in terms of positioning them to really kind of explode out into the world using that book as a process to to define what it is that they really do in a way that, that would light them up. What is it that you think makes a woman powerful? What do you believe is the essence of a woman's power?
1: I think it is that thing of when you are not afraid of fear. You accept that things are gonna be a bit scary, but you understand that you can deal with it anyway. And so that you, you know, if you're thinking, I'm gonna do a book one day, but I just need to wait till I'm ready, or I wanna do a book one day, but I just need to wait till, you know, I know that I'm gonna be good enough so I won't get any bad reviews. That day is not fucking coming. Nobody ever feels ready. Like even authors that I've worked with who've written 10 books, they're worried that book 11 is gonna be a massive dumpster fire. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the whole just do it scared thing, but under power comes from, I think, certainly for me, when I've done things that are scary is understanding that, you know, I'm not going to crumble, that I can do, you know, we can do hard things Mm -hmm. um, and that I might get stuff wrong. And this was something actually that kind of crystallized for me um, earlier in the year when obviously the, the Black Lives Matter movement started. And, you know, I, like so many people, was worried about saying the wrong thing and it's that realization of my fear about getting it wrong does not fucking matter it's not important in the scheme of just speaking out Mm -hmm. um and i would rather be on the side of trying and um but, you know, whatever it is, I mean, that's obviously a big topic that it, that's extremely important to speak out on. It might just be the fear of sharing your personal story and who am I to help somebody coaching through something like this. But when you, I think when you get to a point of my fear is real and it's there, but I'm not going to let it stop me from taking action and I'm not going to be scared of getting it wrong, that's immensely freeing. Um, and that I think is, um, you know, whether it's writing a book or whatever it is, just knowing that you can move yourself through that and that getting things wrong, making mistakes, being scared, aren't reasons to just never
0: take the action. That's so, I mean, it's so beautifully said the way that you, y'all gonna have to hit pause and rewind to re-listen to that. Cause it was so good. It was, it was so good. There's too much in it for me to deconstruct. It was that good. Like pause, rewind, listen to that again. Like just that little snippet, go back and come back to that snippet. There's so much in there in accepting it as the fear is there. It's not disappearing. It's not going anywhere. Um, But does it define what I can do and what I can't do? Does it define where I can show up or where I will show up and where I won't show up? And when you can kind of go, it's gonna be there anyway, I can handle it. Um, And I absolutely agreed, it's it's so freeing, so Elizabeth
1: Gilbert talks in Big Magic about this really, really brilliantly as well. And like her analogy is, you know, you accept that fear is gonna come along on the journey, but it has to sit in the backseat, doesn't have a say about where you're going and it definitely doesn't get to choose what's on the radio. And, you know, just, waiting for there to be an absence of that is, is never gonna serve you. It's like waiting um, for the
0: unicorns to fly in. It's not happening. But also like, do you know what?
1: If you do something and you make a hash of it and you get it wrong, or somebody says, oh, I didn't agree with that. You're not gonna fucking melt. Like you're not gonna, like the witch in Wizard of Oz. You, you, you're made of sterner stuff from that. You can just be like, oh, okay. Take that on board and move on.
0: Yeah. We're uh, not that fickle. We're not that malleable. It's, it's, not gonna, it's not gonna destroy you. It might hurt your feelings, but it's not gonna destroy you. And I, yeah. I, th- I think it's really helpful to remember that. Well, let's get to the crux of it, girl. I need to know your power tools because I wanna know how somebody who wants to be a librarian flies all the way up the corporate ladder, publishes, it has a say in almost every book on my, my damn bookshelf, And then is helping people transform lives. What is your secret sauce? I need to know, but I'm gonna have you do it in a specific way. So I define it as like power tools. So I wanna know what your three power tools are. Like what have been the three things that have been most core to your success? I think the first
1: thing um, is mindset work, being on that journey of personal development giving yourself permission to do the work because, you know, I came from a, I, I was very much in a, like, eye rolly about stuff like that because like, what do you mean being your best self? That sounds ridiculous. And that, that in itself is, is the work to move past that, I think is the work. And I am a big, I'm a cha- absolutely champion reframer. I'm the sort of person that if I get a parking ticket, it's like, well, it was the universe's way of making me not get a speeding ticket or slow down, whatever. I'm like a total champion reframer. But it's that thing of asking better questions of yourself, um, catching yourself in terms of like, I just did a post about this this morning. It's like, you know, where we, you know, we get a bit eye rolly about like, Oh, she's, she's doing the reels she's doing on Instagram they're ridiculous. Like we're all, we all inhabit that space. And it's under like doing the work for myself. Like, where is that coming from? Because actually it comes from a fear of my own judgment. And that's often, you know, judgment in others is all about ourselves. Mm -hmm. So, but it's doing that mindset work to understand my reactions to things so that i can deconstruct it like i'm a big believer in like super thinking of before i ask somebody a question if you know if i'm asking of a coach or something asking myself what do i want from this answer because so often we ask people questions for help and then we do nothing with the answer because yeah. like well they didn't give me the answer that i wanted And so I think just spending some time to to kind of understand my own brain and understand that my thoughts aren't facts and that my thought, you know, my feelings are generated by my thoughts. And so if I change my thoughts, I can change my feelings. All of that, I think, is just has been quite powerful um, to help deconstruct, you know, to move me from periods of when I've had depression and, and all that kind of stuff to, look at being able to look at something and um, look at myself in a kind of 360 way like sort of step outside of myself mm-hmm. um and to just sort of have that kind of different perspective shift uh, i think that's that's been my kind of first sort of uh, power tool and you know and therefore being incredibly grateful to all the different people that i've kind of encountered on my journey whether it's books i've read or coaches i've had or speakers i've listened to to help me with those perspective shifts so you know it's a product of millions of people helping me to get to that millions hundreds of people helping me to get to that point of just like listening when you know when people are giving you advice listen to it work out how you can use it and move on with it
0: yeah I I, there's a lot to be done with mindset and 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 I love how you say when you get a bit eye-rolly just take that moment to go Okay, where'd that come from? why why am i why am I having this reaction? What is it that's really going on here? Because it's an opportunity for you to learn a little bit more about yourself or mm. a fear that you've got or something that you're resisting or a judgment that you have. And all of those little learnings, if you can take them, <laughs> give you the, the the ability to become a better human and who doesn't want to be a better human?
1: Indeed, hopefully everyone. So yeah, that that's a big thing, but it's I think um, and and it sort of ties into how I help people as well because you know I, the thing I wrote this morning about was about judgment of you know some if you don't like something, we fall into this trap sometimes of thinking that our opinion of something is more important than the piece itself. Like if you don't like something, it wasn't created with you in mind.
0: Move on so true you don't have to say anything you don't have to put your two pennies in just leave it it wasn't for you and and
1: the way that that translates to what I do is the fact that so many people don't write a book because they are scared of like what if it gets a shit review what if my English teacher from school or what if you know that that, and so that fear so if we could all just kind of move past that and go wow I didn't particularly like your book but I'm not so I don't feel the need to comment on that publicly but I'm impressed that you wrote it like it just we we seem to think that our opinion is somehow more valuable than the act of somebody else having created something and so I think it's a, I could talk about that for hours but it yeah so that I think moving moving past that and like if we can think about our own personal growth that can I think have a beneficial effect for everyone
0: so number one mindset would be your first power tool. Mm. What's the second power tool? So number
1: two is something that I learned through like kind of the early stages of my entrepreneurial journey, and I'm still doing it, I'm still absolutely today, which is sort of treating everything like a science experiment. Um, I threw a lot of spaghetti at the wall in the first couple of years of my business. I'm kind of now at a place where... I'm a little bit (laughs) more intentional, a bit more planning, and I'm kind of getting into my groove. But I think I was fortunate, and again, in the coaches that I had and the help I was getting, in not, of of not being afraid to try things, and of just going, oh, I wonder what will happen if I do this, and then if it didn't work, not feeling that that was tied to my self-worth, like, oh my God, my open rates of my emails are only 9%. I must be a horrendous writer. No, it's like, you know, maybe don't write your subject lines when you're drunk.
0: Just 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 an idea. Um, idea. I have a friend of mine, actually she was in season one. I think I want to say episode three, Noha. And the way that she kind of just helps to describe this is it's like, if you can look at, if you don't have the contrast, You kind of have to know what you don't want to know what you do want. And sometimes that contrast helps you to better define what it is that you want. Whereas we make it this big, like, oh my gosh, you know, how am I going to cope? And people didn't like me. And it's like, well, great. What I got to learn was I don't like that group of people. They don't write like me. It doesn't work very well. And when I talk about what I do like this, nobody's interested. So perhaps I just don't do that again.
1: Exactly. And it's just about, you know, it's about feedback. And it's what, you know, I, I, my, one of the things I always say is like data is only useful if it changes a behavior. Mm-hmm. So if you're gonna keep like doing the same thing, you know, if you, you do what you've always done, you'll get what you've always got. But if you, if you treat things like a science experiment, it's like, okay, what can I change up here? Yeah, I, the way I didn't, the way I wrote that didn't land or the way I did that live didn't land. It doesn't mean that I am, you know, an absolute car crash. It's just like, okay, let's just tweak the data. Let's just try something different. And so I think not being afraid to have a go at stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in the early days, it, it's scary. I, I mean, I, I always said that, you know, I, when I first started doing stuff on, like the idea for me to do like a Facebook Live in a million years, just wouldn't have been able to do it in a million years. But of course the benefit when you're just starting out is no one's fucking watching. <laughs> so it doesn't matter. And I, you know, I became quite happy talking on camera because i you know i cut my teeth of an audience of like literally zero Um, and you get used to looking at yourself on camera and stuff like that which is just weird i would never have said that i would be capable of doing it
0: it's funny you say that because i i i often work with clients and they spend forever sending emails out and i'm like you're sending this as, as as though it's going to a gazillion, like a billion people and they're all gonna open it and the whole world's gonna know. I said, I'm telling you, you're gonna put it out there and three people are gonna see the bloody thing. Like you just need to kind of put some context around these things sometimes and understand that until you've got that level of traction behind your business, people aren't looking like that. They're just, they're just not, they're just people. I'm sorry, ladies. People. Well, that. I mean, that's too caught up in their own stuff.
1: Well, that's (laughs) that's very freeing. Is that nobody cares, and that's incredibly freeing because it's like genuinely. I'm I'm a bit like kind of never explain, never complain. When people do the, you know, they haven't emailed their list for six months, and they send an email that says, "Oh, I'm really sorry that you haven't heard me." Nobody gives a shit that you haven't sent an email for six months. Don't apologize. Just send an email. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry I didn't post on Instagram last week. Nobody noticed don't take that as a bad thing take it as a freeing positive thing like you just you you do
0: you show up when it works for you and step away when it doesn't but i think there's a lot of um, there's a lot of hope for people in the idea that actually i can just experiment because the risk isn't as big as i'm making it out to be
1: exactly and and what that taught me in the early stages was um actually I just could just like do stuff that amused myself because you know, no one else is watching so I might as well amuse myself but what that leads to is you getting into the groove of you know your authentic voice what do you sound like what and that you might be very Marmite I mean being Marmite is a good thing we want to be Marmite and so what I then actually found was that what people were drawn to and what people were coming back for was the fact that i sound like kermit on ketamine and i swear a lot and i'm just kind of like you know i don't give a shit i'll do lives in my pee kit in my car with no makeup on because i'm like 100 in internet years so i just don't care anymore like if i think if i was starting out when i was 30 i would be a lot more like oh but you know i'm i'm not anywhere near that 30 so that that thing of like giving myself the space to just sort of work out who i was online um you know and it's me, but it's a slightly noisier version of me. Um, that, that that was a real gift and just to sort of to be have the space to kind of try stuff. Um, and, and not feeling like you have I'm to come out kind of, of the gate and it's all perfect.
0: I also just think the beautiful gift in that is you played it, you played just doing what you wanted to do in the way that you wanted to do it. And that's what the audience found. So you never had to do anything different.
1: (laughs) Well, this is a big thing. I mean, I am quite lazy. I always call myself a lazy workaholic. Um, And it was that like, who's got the time to sort of have some kind of like different online persona or like the way that I think this came up about like, you know, when you're writing email copy and like, how should I sound in my emails? It's like, dudes just sound like you because otherwise you're going to be exhausted trying to write, in a way that's not authentically you. And yeah. that's the same, when people, I talk about people with their books, it's like, you know, funnily enough, people say, oh, you know, should I swear in my book? Like, well, do you swear in real life? Because if you do, then yes, you should swear in your book because if, say, like, otherwise someone's gonna read it and go, oh my God, this is amazing. I want to then become your client. And the, the, the kind of the cognitive dissonance of that. But people think when they're writing a book that it's because it's a book, it's very proper. It's got to be terribly formal no that's that's it it's got to, to it's you. got to be
0: representative of you i love this like there is such a thread of just authenticity do you know what we've heard it here before ladies do you be you be you do you that's it like you don't need to do anything any different so we've got experiment be curious we've got mindset work and what would be your third power tool the third power tool is
1: it's a little bit to sort of what I was speaking earlier about kind of, about fear, but it's, you know, it is that thing of just saying to yourself, what's the worst that can happen? Mm. You know, I was saying like, you're not gonna melt. Um, and knowing that you, can, that you can pick yourself up, mistakes aren't the end of the world. Um, you know, somebody might say no. Is that really the worst thing that's going to happen? I think we tend to, and I and I certainly used to be guilty of this, you know, the whole catastrophizing of like,
0: somebody
1: says, to, like yeah. you get to a point of, I'm going to ask someone for a sale. And then in your brain, in about 30 seconds, you're living in the gutter. Because that no has somehow started a spiral that's going to end up with you becoming homeless. Or you're, you're being eaten by your cats. Or do you know what I mean? It's like, we just like, we can't, and it's like, Maybe the no is just an invitation to um, ask somebody. put your else? prices up and ask someone else.
0: <laughs> when you can kind of, I love that because it's true. We can make so much drama out of, especially in a sales, in the sales context, don't even get me started. That's a whole we had a whole conversation about that a couple of episodes ago. Y'all, y'all need to go listen to that with Farah Hussein. a whole conversation about how to reposition your, your sales talk. But I do think we, we can have that tendency to say, well, if this person says no, then that's going to mean, I, I don't know what we think it's going to mean. I don't actually, if I think about the days when it used to bug me, I don't actually know that I knew what I thought it was going to mean. I was just scared. Mm. I don't even know why I was scared. They were going to say no. And what Exactly, and if you think about why you say no, you say
1: no because oh, it's not the right time, or I'm just um, not interested. Not interested. Yeah, it's not like uh, I think you're trash. It's just, I mean, in, with sales and and you know the, the whole kind of sending the email. It's just uh, my thing is just like stick an extra zero on and hit send.
0: That's then walk that, away and go just do without thinking about it. it. Just Let's do it. Send it. Just
1: do it. Um, but yeah, that, I think that's a, you know, that was, you know, in terms of the mindset coach and things that I've worked with, that's a really, um, you know, one of the, the post I've got sort of post-its on my wall above my computer, one of which is, you know, what's the worst that can happen? One of which is you're still helping people when you're asking them for money.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, and as we were saying before we hit record, really fucking stupid people can do it. So how hard can it be? <laughs> those, are,
0: those will be three post-it notes that are gonna be up all around the world now. <laughs> Some, some some people might change the wording on Post-it Note Number Three if you feel the need to.
1: Well, if you feel the need, yes. But that was what got, that was what got got me through learning to drive, which at a very late age. Um, you
0: you it, were like, you were like idiots can do this. Well, it is so- it
1: is a bit like that, but also it's like, and that's fine, and, and and be okay with being an idiot. Like it's not the worst thing in the
0: world we were um, all stupid in something at some point right we, we, have, we, we don't we weren't born this intelligent there was a point in which something that is really easy for us right now we were we were quite messed up at it
1: exactly but we like we have we don't need to ask for permission to it's a weird thing like it's almost like we feel we need to ask for permission to help people would it be okay if i showed you how to do this like it's crazy, but it's like, we, we don't need to ask for permission to do be wrong. No. But people we feel like, we all, who am I to, you know, just in case I got it wrong, I better not.
0: Jessica, but, you know, my it's... goodness, woman, you were, mm, the treats, y'all gonna have to rewind and listen to the whole darn thing again. Cause I, I can't summarize it, it's just so much gold. Um, and I know there's gonna be people who've got to this point in the show and perhaps they were at the beginning thinking, oh, it's nice. I'm going to listen to this about the book. And then, you know, at some point in the future, I'll do it. Maybe they're sat there now, just like, maybe the future's here right now. Maybe I just need to start. Maybe actually this process will get me to that point And I don't need to work it all out by myself or I like this sweary woman. I need more of her in my life, <laughs> whatever it is, but there'll be people who are going to want to get to know you more and connect with you a little bit more deeply. What are the best ways of them doing that?
1: Um, the best way is come and connect with me on Instagram, just at Jessica Killingly. I've also have the authority show podcast, which you need to see written down because it's tells you everything you need to know about me that there's a visual pun in an audio medium it's like author authority do you get it okay um so yeah those are the two best places and you know that thing about oh i was like literally if i had a pound for every time somebody said i'm gonna write a book one day like i'll oh, i'll come and talk to you next year uh, and i'm like well love if you can't afford me now you definitely won't be able to afford me next year um
0: because the prices are are only going in one
1: direction exactly you are never going to be less busy than you are now we have this thing of thinking oh i'm just gonna get i'll have this headspace in three months time in six months time i just need to do you think the people who are writing books are less busier than you no, they are not. So anyway, that's my little rant. So yes, if you want more ranting, the Authority Show podcast, which are quite short episodes. Personally, I listen to everything on double speed. So feel free to listen to me on double speed um, to make them even shorter. I haven't, I can't, I haven't got the stomach to listen to myself not on double speed, that's for sure. Um, but, but, but but Instagram, and if you want to come and see my sausage dog Elvis, uh, then that's definitely the place to um, come and find find me for that.
0: Fab. All of the links are in the show notes, folks. So just click on whichever link that you want in the notes to go and connect in with Jessica. We are almost there. We got to wrap this show up. I mean, we've we've gone for it. And there was so much in it that I'm not even going to attempt to, I'm not, I'm just going to be lazy. And I'm not even going to attempt to try and summarize what the heck we talked about today. I'm going to be lazy and mean and just i'm gonna be like teflon and just send it back like a boomerang just send it back to you (laughs) so if if there was if you had to summarize what we've spoken about today or there was just one thing that people could take from today on on what we've spoken about what would that be
1: believe that you can do hard things we can do hard things um and Often the things that we fear are in our minds and when we actually sit down and break it down and chunk it out and work it out, it's, it's, we can take things step by step. We don't have to be at the top of the mountain at the very beginning. You don't have to go from getting off a sofa to being able to run a marathon. You don't have to look at the books that are on the shelf in Waterstones and compare that to your crappy first draft. We can take the steps that we need to do to get to where we want to go. And we can deal with the hard stuff that comes along the way. Um, and we you know know that you have it in you to be able to navigate whatever comes at you. You will find a way of dealing with it.
0: I'm just going to let that sink in. You have been listening to The Lavelda Show, Women of Power podcast. My guest today has been Jessica Killingly. I got it right this time. Has been Jessica Killingly. Do connect in with her. Remember, you are made of stronger stuff and we can do big things. Until next time. Ciao, ladies. Bye.